Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 39 of Thoughts from the Shade. A um, lot to get to. We got some good weather. Uh, feels like spring is is finally upon us. Thank God. Uh, but I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, a special guest, our third ever guest, all Thoughts from the Shade, uh, Dan Hirschberg. We'll talk some beer, talk some golf with him a little bit later in the show. Uh, but but we got to cover our usual nonsense. So let's check in with Bomb first. What's happening, Bomb? Gee, did you cancel your your plans here for June? Because I mean, I I was told to basically block off my calendar for a parade down Broad Street with the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, are, are we able to go on vacation now? What, what's going on? It's uh, it, it's interesting how the story, how the narrative, how the mood of the Philadelphia. Uh, faithful can, can change in such a short period of time. Um, you know, the first few games with, with James Harden, everybody was fired up. Everybody was happy. And granted, he looked good. The team looked good. It was all good and well. I heard uh, comparisons to mus- musicians and musical groups and bands and, and harmonies, uh, the way that the Sixers were playing. Um, but with the debacle on Thursday night against the Nets, uh, a squeak, a squeaker of a win Sunday night against the Magic, and then another loss to Denver Monday night. Uh, it feels like, you know, the air, the wind's been taken out of the sail, and uh, the parade route planning has been put on hold for now. Well, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that the Nets game was also the return of of Baby Ben sitting on the bench. Um, you know, there were some odd videos of him dribbling a basketball in the streets as he went into the hotel. That was weird. Um, getting yelled at, uh, obviously before getting on the bus and then getting yelled at on, on the, on the bench. Um, but you know, do I have to be the first guy to say this in Philadelphia? Like after watching the, the Sixers get boat raced in that game by like 40 points and ultimately losing by, I think it was 29. Is it possible that maybe baby Ben just wanted to play for a winner? I know you said that, man, and uh, you might be on to something. I, I don't know. I, I don't even know how, how to react. Like uh, You kind of threw me for a loop there, but maybe you're on to something because it, it was another another game with you know a lot of uh, anticipation, a lot of built-up emotion, intensity, um, and the Sixers fell flat on their face. Um, that's what happened. Uh, you know, we've seen it before in the big games, in the playoffs, uh, kind of from this this group, this Embiid-led group. Uh, hate to hate to get on get on Joe, uh, but he, he's yet to prove it for me. So, um, yeah. Well, you know, he's, it's all fun and games when we're trolling a guy on Instagram and Twitter, and we're getting all the memes going, and we got bringing the we're bringing the guy out to the All Star game. It's all fun and games, but then he got freaking boat raced. By Brooklyn, that was pathetic, man. It was a p- pathetic effort, and and I just think it was it was totally like underwhelming. Like even in terms of like the social media, uh, the fans. I mean, talking about listening to like sports radio and all, all these grand plans that people had for this game. Like you talk about the fake tough guy, like Sixer fans. Like, yep. E- everybody had these grand plans that they were gonna do and people wearing diapers into the games. We were going to chant fuck Ben Simmons. Like, I think there was one fuck Ben Simmons chant. 
in the first quarter, maybe. Uh, and obviously the way the game went didn't didn't help. I mean, the building was half empty by like the third quarter. Um, but like I didn't see any real shenanigans in the parking lot, like maybe just a couple bozos down there, like running jerseys over with their car. But <laughs> like we talk about it. it's it's the fake tough guy Sixer fan. And that that's what we got out of the fan base on Thursday night. And we we got a a reciprocal performance from the team that night as well. No, I mean, here's the difference between Sixers fans and Eagles fans. OK, and I'm going to lay it out, lay it out here for you. Um, they like to talk tough. They like to act tough. When push comes to shove, these are not tough people. These these Sixers fans, these Simmons slurpers, the Gen Z crop toppers, the Xfinity livers. Um, they're not tough. They're not like the Kenzo crazies that we see at the link or outside the link. Do I need to remind everybody that it wasn't that long ago? I think it was a couple of years ago. Who was the guy who played for the Sixers that rocked the bandana? The big stretch guy. I don't know. I, I, when you said that, I thought of Jimmy Butler. Big, no, big talk around the same time. But he was, he was a Washington Redskins fan at the time, I believe. Uh, and... Eagles fans fought a current Sixer in the parking lot because he was a Redskins fan. The Hive. The Mike Scott Hive. Mike Scott. Mike Scott. Eagles fans fought a current Sixer. Sixers fans welcome back baby Ben with nothing. I mean, I'm not advocating for anything. I'm not advocating for any violence or throwing anything. But, like, I tuned in. I thought there was going to be one lunatic who was all bombed up. You know, from their time at Xfinity, stumbles in and is going to, like, I don't know, throw a soda on the court. Like, I want the fireworks. That's what, that's what I tuned in for. And not only did I not get that, they got boat raced. Yeah, it was terrible all around, honestly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess we talked about it kind of at the top. The the parade route, you know, it's, it's all paused for now. Um, everybody's kind of taken back a little bit. Um, and we were just kind of talking before the show here, like, I don't know how to feel about this James Harden guy. Like I'm, I'm not, you know, I've said it before. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not an NBA specialist. Uh, I'm not a basketball purist. Um, but I thought we were getting a guy that was kind of going to solve some of our needs. You know, we need a guy that shoots the ball at the end of the game. We need a guy that can kind of ISO and, and do his own thing, create his own shot. And he looked great in the first few games. He hasn't looked great in the last few games. And now everybody's, oh, well, he wasn't that great in Houston. He wasn't that great in Brooklyn. He gets un- uninterested. He's a choker, this and that. Um, but b- before before the Brooklyn loss and, and the Denver loss, oh my gosh, I I, I heard none I heard none of this. Heard, oh, the Sixers they don't need to play defense because they're averaging 122 points a game with these guys on the floor. Tyrese Maxey is is the big it's the big three. Yeah, yeah, we had a big three. We had a big three for a week. Uh, it it was like Jesus Christ was acquired by the Philadelphia 76ers uh, when they ship Ben Simmons out of town, but. Now, now the brakes are being pumped, and um, so I, I don't know what what to make of this guy. Um, you know, in reality, it doesn't matter till till May or April, whenever the playoffs start, and uh, we'll see. But that that Brooklyn that Brooklyn game, like you just kind of knew it, and and I don't know why I didn't even look at at the betting line. The Sixers were a four and a half point favorite in that game. 
I mean, that might have been the biggest lock in the history of sports betting. Yeah, I had a little, I had a little bit of cash money line on the, the nets. <laughs> Good on you. And, and then, and then what? They turn around and they play the Magic, and they go to OT. Magic are pathetic, but you know we got to get the other guy involved. We had the big three, but now we got the big four. Toby had a day. You know, like Toby is like Bobby Abreu. He can't play defense. When you're up down or up ten or down by ten, he's he's willing to go off. But like this guy puts up some sort of a stat stuffing line against Orlando in like a, a t- against a team that does nothing, and all of a sudden we're supposed to believe that they're back. They got their fourth guy between Maxi and Harden and Embiid, and now Toby. And then what happens, G? No, they blow a twenty point lead Monday night. That's right. They lose. To, so what is this team? I mean. You hear the legacy media, they were playing the song, they were stomping the feet, they were clapping the hands for a week, for two weeks, whatever it was. And all of a sudden I'm hearing guys today on the radio say, oh, I, I think it would be a success if they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals because it'll give another summer for Maxi to develop into a star. Are you kidding me? That's the mentality? He was part of the big three last week. It, it's so bad. The the other thing I, I wanted to add, kind of thinking about this team, is like you hear on, on the radio, and obviously like from the jump when they got hard and it was like, oh, we got to make Tobias fit and work him in, figure out how he fits. Well, well now now it's we're talking about how, how Tobias is going to fit, or not Tobias, how, how James Harden is fitting. Like these guys are supposedly superstars, be, best at their position, best in the know. league. Max contract guys. Yeah, they they are, but but we need to we need to figure out how to work them in best. Like they're uh, you know the seventh or eighth guy in the rotation. Like these guys are supposed to be superstars. They're getting paid like superstars, and, and it's on Glenn Rivers, uh, you know, to, to stumble down the court, stumble back and forth on the sideline, figure out how how to make it work for these guys that are getting paid max money. Like it's just a disgrace. I couldn't agree more. I mean, what's the move? So if they don't make it to the finals this year, are they going to – do I need to say the words, G? Draft and stash. Run it back. Are they going to run it back with everybody? And Glenn's going to come back, and he's going to give you that raspy voice at the at the, the last game they get knocked out. He's going to get – this team, ah, raspy voice that he's got. Like, like, he, like, I don't know, like he just coached like – on the surface of the sun. I mean, it's just so sickening watching these these guys. No, it's all, it's only a matter of time. Like if they continue to struggle, like you're going to hear more of the takes, like like you've been hearing, like you mentioned about m- making it to the conference finals and then running it back and letting Maxi develop. And the other thing now is we we just got to find a way to get rid of Tobias so we can bring in Bradley Beal. Oh yeah, yeah, right. That'll be the well. The thing is, I know that Sixers fans eat this eat this shit up, and you know they never play for today. It's always about tomorrow. It's always about the future. It's always about next year, the next five years. But I do need to give a shout out to one specific Sixers fans. Gee, I don't know if you have it. I got it. Maybe you could fill the listeners in. I mean. In a stadium filled with 20,000 bozos, there's one guy that stands alone. And I got to give this guy props. He's a listener. G, fill us in. Yeah, good friend of the show, listener of the show. Um, 
you know, Bomb talks about hold, holding our, our teams, our players, our management, et cetera, uh, accountable. Uh, th- th- this is an A1 example uh, of being a fan and, and holding a team in a franchise that's underachieved, oversold you, uh, and let you down, holding them accountable. So I uh, received a text message from this fella uh, over the weekend. And he he is a uh, full full season ticket holder for the 76ers, and he has been, I'd say, for probably five to six years, somewhere in that vicinity now. Uh, got the text verbatim. Here it is. I submitted my season ticket resignation yesterday. That and selling each seat for three fifty last night feels great. With the deuce emoji, deuce is up. He's out. So he cashed in big on the Nets game. Good for him. You know, and then he, he added, Bomb and G, you've been very right about the enablement from the fan base. They support losers and prop up mediocre play. I've always held out hope that it all come together, but the story has always been the same. Not good enough. Oh, man. I got to give this guy a ton of credit. He's taking a stand before he even watches the failure in the playoffs. What a hero. I mean, this guy... I think we can get one of our sponsors. We'll get Shamrock Sun. We'll get him a promo code. We'll get him a, a new golf visor. What a hero. He's doing God's work. He's not our only hero this week, but we'll save the other one for later. Anything else to add on the Sixers? No, I mean, let, let's move on to the gridiron. We got plenty to talk about there. Yeah, uh, your boy, our boy, Deuce. Uh, Frank Reich, you know, he, he couldn't salvage Deuce. Jim Ursay had enough, had to get that guy out of town, shipped him down to DC to, to the Washington Commanders. Deuce is going to Washington, he's back in the division. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm just gonna toss it over to you. Kind of instant reaction. I mean, where do you want to go here? I've been saying it for the last year, Howie Roseman, executive of the year. The the trade that he executed to Indianapolis was a heist. I mean, they could make a movie about that. Uh, that's how much of a ripoff this was. The best part about this, this trade between Indy and Washington is what transpired between Frank Reich and, uh, and Jim Irsay. Frank Reich, there's reports that Frank Reich went into the office of Jim Ursay and profusely apologized for the severe judgment in error. In essence, Frank Reich was begging for his job because he put his job on the line, along with Chris Ballard, to bring in this uncoachable, me-first loser. And I want to hear from the Jags fans, or sorry, no, not the Jags fans, the Gobia Jags fans, guys. Remember when Foles was here? And everyone said, hang on, I don't like Wentz. I don't like the way he leads his team. You know, we were just being neutral observers. How come the team plays better when Foles is the starter? And we said, well, maybe Foles should be the guy. And they, well, no, Wentz is the, we, uh, if you like Foles so much, go be a Jags fan. And then they got rid of Foles. Wentz stayed. He, he submarined Doug's uh, uh, career in Philly. He totally sabotages that guy, Super Bowl winning head coach, with the cojones to call a trick play. I mean, the guy goes out there and like 
lights up Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. We run him out of town. Not we. I didn't. I, I'd run through a wall for Doug. And in fact, I gotta I gotta talk a little bit later about a purchase that I made. But Philadelphia ran that guy out of town. Oh, it, the offense was stale. We need to bring in somebody new. So anyway, I mean, I think people were starting to figure out, and all they talked about too when they got rid of Doug was, well, Reich was the brains of the operation. Gee, the brains of the op. I mean, Doug Peterson could not have been shit on more because of one guy. Eleven when he was here, Deuce in Indy. What's he gonna be next? That's the question, G. I think I heard something that that there's odds out there uh, on whether or not he'll be the starter for the Commanders. Uh, you know, week one, and I th- I don't think he's the favorite to be the starter uh, for Washington. There were also there were also Super Bowl odds where their odds worsened when the trade was. In- <laughs> I saw that too. <laughs> I mean, the Simmons slurpers, the Wentz worshippers, they're all the same. The BCI beers, it's one big circle of a Venn diagram. It's okay, though. I mean, I'm willing to welcome these people back, but I need an apology. Uh, I need a, a direct apology via text. We can document it and post it on Instagram. But this guy's a loser. And to, to make matters worse, G, the story comes out from Jeff McClain. And now we know why the team played harder under Nick Foles than Carson Wentz. According to Jeff McClain, after tearing his ACL, so think back to the Super Bowl run, Wentz voiced his displeasure with the team's success with his injured teammates. Another Eagle immediately confronted him, and the two had to be separated. This whole interaction was ahead of the NFC Championship which Philadelphia, of course, won in a massive blowout. So here's a guy that was the number two pick, uh, you know, coddled his whole life, living in Timbuktu, a 4-0 student studying phys ed. I mean, what a joke this guy is, right? They they made him out to be like building rockets for NASA pre-draft. He's a fucking phys ed major. And uh, a me guy, not a team guy, voicing his displeasure of the fact that the team is winning without him. What is this, Little League? And I have to give a shout-out to the little guy, Darren Sproles. Reports are that Darren Sproles was the injured teammate who had to be separated at the time from Carson Wentz. So Darren Sproles, in my mind, will always go down as an Eagle legend. The guy always played hard. He gave everything he had. He got hurt a lot towards the end of his career, but he was always willing to go go out there and, and play hard. I mean, what a disgusting story. And now we know why. Uh, all the folks in the locker room didn't like 11. Is anyone going to apologize to Alshon Jeffrey, G? Remember all that? Alshon Jeffrey, the guy who was out there in the Super Bowl catching touchdown passes with a torn labrum in his shoulder. They ran him out of town. They called him a bum. They called him a cancer in the locker room because he didn't like Deuce. Anyone going to apologize to Alshon? Yeah, we owe Alshon an apology. I just, I'm just like thinking about, you know, Wentz and Sproles and whoever else was injured kind of on the training table as as they're prancing and, and making the run through the playoffs and Deuce being all sour that, you know, he's not playing and he's not leading the team to this success. Uh, and then little Darren Sproles, like, getting in his face and being like, what the fuck are you talking about, buddy? Like, you're in your second year in the league and, yeah, you were doing good, but – 
it's all about the team. Like Darren Sproles was at the tail end of his career, five foot six, uh, probably what 180 or 190 pounds soaking wet, uh, you know, just getting chased and, and smashed by guys twice his size for 15 to 20 years, uh, you know, to grind and try to win a Super Bowl. And this big baby, this oversized baby, um, lumberjack of a fucking loser is bitching uh, that, that the team is still having success because he he's out and can't be the guy leading it. Like, how did, like, of course things went sour. Of course it all went south. And it's a complete disgrace that Nick Foles and Doug Peterson were the victims uh, of this kind of cancerous culture, uh, toxic culture that we like to talk about. They were the victims of that culture that was created Absolutely. by 11. Yep. And, and, and it's just, it's just such a joke. I mean, we've got to be the only city in major sports that th- three years removed from a Super Bowl championship, which we had never fucking won ever in the history of the franchise. Three years removed, the coach and the quarterback were both gone. Yeah, because of one one big baby. And then we got people. So then he gets traded from Indy, and he puts up his little bullshit post. I mean, at this point, he's got like a canned reply. I want to thank everybody. We loved our time here, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're going to go open a food truck down in D.C. We're going to play a celebrity softball game down in the Nationals Park this year. Like, you might as well just play him in all 30 ballparks now because this fucking guy ain't laying roots anywhere. Um. But then you see them, you see the comments on his little on his on his Instagram, and there's still people. Hey, we're Eagles fans. We still love you. You're an asshole. Okay. So to you, I say, go be a Commanders fan if you support this guy. After I got hit with the Jags bullshit, and you guys can't see it, but I'm wearing it right now. I was told when Foles left, go be a Jags fan. Well, you you assholes. I did it. Okay. I ordered the jersey. Right now, tell them, G, what I'm wearing. It's not Nick Foles. It is a Jacksonville Jags jersey, number 14, with Peterson on the back. I got to give my man Doug some props here. This guy took a year off, and he goes into the AFC South, a division with the Titans, a division with the Colts, his former protege. Remember, the, 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 the genius, Frank Reich in the division. Carson Wentz at the time in the division. You think Doug was scared? Nah, he knew those those two guys were frauds and bums. Yeah, he's going to coach like what a one or two or three win team that's in the same division. Fearless. Bombs got a Trevor Lawrence MVP future locked and ready to go. I don't want to hear anything about you know how Doug's no good and there's Doug is going to get the job done. Last thing on this topic, unless unless you have anything else, um, how would you rank the NFC's quarterbacks right now? Assume 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 Wentz is the starter for Washington and Dan- Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones is starting for the Giants. It's got to be Prescott, Hurts, Jones, Wentz, right? Yeah, I, I think I'd agree. Dak Prescott's Remember a bum, too. Remember when they were comparing him to Dak? Wentz is better than Dak. Yeah, people were people were triggered and butthurt by that. But, I mean, Dak's a fraud, too. And there's a report out there. Uh, I'm kind of just rambling here. 
Uh, Amari Cooper to the Browns. We heard that last week. Um, there was a, ru- a, a, a rumored report that Amari Cooper told Dak Prescott that he was the Black Kirk Cousins after they lost in the playoffs <laughs> last year. Dude, if that's if that's a real quote, I mean, that's amazing. I, I, I laughed out loud when I read that. Yeah, no, so good. Um, the other big news that just surfaced this week in the league, uh, the GOAT, Tom Brady. He retired for all of two months, and he's back. He's going back to the box for his 23rd season. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to think. I mean, I don't really care. I, I like Brady. I respect his greatness. Um, I don't think he's shot. Like, I think he can still play and everything. I just don't really understand like why he had to announce his retirement and then like kind of stew on the actual decision. Like, I, I don't see Brady as like a, a big drama guy or like a big, me guy um i mean he's got his brand and everything and he's always uh yucking it up with other celebs and everything but i just don't understand why in january after they lost he couldn't just say i'm gonna take as much time as i need to figure out what i'm gonna do next year and i'll keep the people you know in box management in the loop otherwise you know don't don't fucking ask until i decide like i don't know why he couldn't just go that route well, I think there were other things in play here. I mean, it's odd that he was out at a Manchester United game talking to Ronaldo. Man U is owned by the Glazers, the same folks that own the Buccaneers. So was the, was that like a was that a meeting? Was that a, a clearing of the air out there? I suspect, based on like everything you're hearing from, about Bruce Arians, um, that Brady may have wanted to test free agency or or or, or go elsewhere. The Bucks are losing some firepower. I mean, Godwin tours ACL. Like Gronk only has how much tread left. Now, granted, the NFC's a joke. I think Godwin's a free agent too. Yep. Uh, yeah, he was on a one-year deal. Um, but I suspect perhaps Brady at the end of the season went to, you know, Bucks leadership and said, you know, either cut me loose, trade me, or I'll retire. And you know, I think perhaps the team called his bluff. And he retired and then he tried, he gave it a go 40 days. And he's like, you know what? F this, like <laughs> I'm coming back and playing. Uh, that, that's my opinion. That's what, that's what I think may have happened. Or do you think once he actually retired, the bucks were kind of like, yo man, we want like, we're not going to win without you next year. So we'll do whatever you know, you used to do to build well, a team. Like they didn't go out and like look for yeah. another quarterback. So like that, that tells you something there where they, maybe they had a heads up. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking like if they called his bluff, he retired, then did, did they kind of like shit have a shit their pants moment? They're like, all right, we, we really didn't want this to happen. Probably. We, we got to pony up and bring everybody back or build the team the way we had it for the Super Bowl or, or whatever to, to get them to come back. It probably also helped that like Wilson went to the AFC – Rogers stayed in Green Bay. That NFC South is going to be so bad. I mean, those teams are so bad. Falcons stink. Panthers stink. Saints are going to stink. Um, so he's got a clear path, obviously, to a division. Can they put enough pieces together to get a bye? 
Yeah, and I think if healthy, I I don't think they need to worry about the Rams or Green Bay, and then who else is even there? Well, you think the NFC West is going to be bludgeoning each other, right? I mean, if if Midget Murray comes back and they win, you know, they'll win like eight or nine games, right? And then, you know, you got the uh, the Niners and and the Rams, so like. I don't know. I don't think a team's going to run away, run away with like 14 or 13 wins there, right? No, no. Just saying in terms of contenders uh, out of the conference, like there, there really aren't any. I mean, I, I hate to say it. I like the Eagles. I mean, like, Come on, Howie. Make I mean, it happen, Howie. Load us up. Three. I mean, if you could pick some difference makers here in the first round, shore up the secondary, maybe the you know, the line, uh, everyone's talking linebackers. I'll believe it when I see it. Obviously, I love it. But, I mean, Eagles, Hurts takes a step forward. I mean, crazy things have happened. Yeah, they just addressed the uh, the pass rush a little bit with the signing of Hassan Reddick. I believe it was a three-year deal. So, I mean, I don't hate the move. I forget what the cash is exactly. It's pretty pretty healthy, I think. But Three years around 40. Right. Um I mean, any, any thoughts on that? I think it obviously addresses a need, and uh, if, if he performs, it, it'll be just fine. Yeah, he's a guy that's always put up numbers. Um, I think he stayed on the field, too, so not a guy who's injury-prone. I just like the fact that we no longer have to watch 96 and, uh, you know, all the personal fouls. Definitely. Anything else around the league in the offseason right now? No, I mean, I think we can transition briefly to baseball. Um, lockout's over. Any thoughts, Jay, before I jump in and just totally slam the Philadelphia Phillies? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's we kind of touched on the lockout last week. It's a joke. It's rich people arguing with rich people. people everybody's got too much money. Um, so I, I, I don't know why you, you, you got to wait to get to a point where the season uh, is delayed and games are getting pushed back, but I guess there really, really isn't too big of an impact. So, so good on them. Um, you know, they can all count their cash and get, get back to fucking work. All right. I mean, I, I hate to do this. I'll keep it brief, but uh, man, unless they bring in a big bat here, I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever been less excited for Phillies baseball. Simply on the news that they're deciding to bring back Odubel Herrera. I mean, am I the only guy last year who watched these games in August, September, and thought to myself, well, this sucks. Like, they're not going to the playoffs, but at least this is the last time I have to watch Odubel Herrera play. And, like, I was literally thinking that at the end of last year. Like, thank God I don't have to watch Andrew McCutcheon and Odubel Herrera anymore. Like, these guys stink. And we decide to bring back Odubel Herrera, and we're going to platoon him in center field with Veerling? I mean, what is that? I mean, this guy, Middleton, was bitching, get me back my fucking trophy. We're going to spend stupid money. And we're we're keeping Odubel Herrera? I mean, you could could grab a kid from, like, St. Joe's University and platoon him. It'd be the same fucking effect. The guy might actually run the bases better. Yeah, he might have a little bit more baseball IQ. Now, I, I I remember 
think it was, dude, one of the first episodes when we started in August talk, talking about the Phillies and how they can't run the bases. Uh, they don't play very well, you know, uh, situationally. And bringing back a guy like Odubel is just like a, a double down on, on stupidity uh, in situational baseball and base running. So I don't get it. I mean, he had the whole allegations and all that. Like, I, I mean, does this guy have pictures of Middleton or is, is blackmail on John Middleton? Like, what's the deal here? Yeah, and I'm not I'm not to be clear. I'm not even talking about the off the, the field stuff, which is despicable. I'm talking about just the baseball player. Like, even if the off-the-field stuff wasn't there, I still wouldn't want this guy. He's, yeah, he's a bum. player. He, he, he loses. He's got no concentration. He doesn't bust it out of the box. He flubs balls in the outfield. Um, you know, he plays like a dog. I mean, there's nothing about this guy. And then, oh, and then, oh, how, how can I forget? The fly ball bat flips. The fly ball bat flips that we see from this guy from time to time. I mean, it's just unbelievable that the Phillies, like, it's such a loser mentality to say, oh, we're familiar with Odubel. We're going to keep him. I mean, if you're if you're running a business and you and your worst employee or one of your worst employees, your decision to keep them around is because you're you're familiar with them. I mean, come on. That, that's a terrible decision. Go in and get some talent. Well said. Should we throw it over to Dan? Yeah, let's throw it over to Dan. This interview is brought to you by our lovely sponsors at, at Shamrock Sun. And uh, we'd like to welcome our third guest uh, in the short life of this podcast. Uh, he's a beer and a golf specialist. Um, so we had to get him on. Uh, he is the co-founder and chief brand officer at Workhorse Brewing Company. And he is the general manager of the Workhorse Tour, uh, another event that is sponsored by Shamrock Sun. Uh, our guest tonight is none other than Dan Hirschberg. Dan, welcome to Thoughts from the Shade, and thank you for joining the show. How are you tonight? I am fantastic. My kids are freshly asleep. I've got a freshly cracked beer, and you told me we're going to talk about sports and, and beer. So, like, let's let's do it, man. Like, I'm I'm pumped. Thanks for uh, for having me, and Dennis, appreciate the support uh, of the tour, man. We're looking forward to having you guys on board this year. No, likewise. Thanks, Dan. Um, yeah, I guess do you just want to start kind of at at the top with with the uh, the brewery, the brewing company. I mean, how'd you get started in that? Uh, any any kind of like life events or or people in your life that kind of inspired, um, you know, th that entrepreneurship? Yeah. So I've been I'm from Philly, born and raised Northwest Philly, Mount Airy. Um, my dad was actually a professor at the University of Pennsylvania for 50 years, and which is a long ass time to do anything. Uh, but he kind of got in my ear at an early age and, and really implored me to think about, hey, if, if you can be your own boss. That's, that's the route to take. So I, I didn't have any kind of entrepreneurial training. Um, I quit my dream job at ESPN after I graduated college to start my own business, which was a sports apparel company called Philly Faithful. Um, not glamorous at all. Moved back into my childhood home at 24, spent the bulk of my savings, which at that time was, was pretty much nothing, um, but enough to start the business. And Grew that, ran it for about eight, nine years, uh, hustling the parking lots down at Citizens Bank Park. Um, so like if, if you guys or anyone was like ever in K-Lot from like 2008 to 2013, like there's a decent chance I sold you a t-shirt. 
so that was oh, that was well, bad guy back then, Dan. So hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I learned a lot about the um, the way people view parking lot hustlers uh, over that time. So it took took a little while to get get my feet wet, but yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. So if we crossed paths, hopefully we shared a beer at least. Yeah, I I, I got to ask, did you did you sell any shirts? You know, with, with any. Uh, you know, profanities, vulgarities. I picked one up myself uh, in in December uh, regarding our old buddy Ben Simmons. So, ah, uh, nice. Yeah, we um we tried to stay away from anything that was like overtly uh, vulgar. That being said, I definitely had some things that were like borderline. I mean, most of what we wanted to do was like witty and whimsical. So we had uh, the probably the most famous shirts of ours. We have the Schmidt Happens shirt with the Mike Schmidt porn stash. We had the uh, Wheel of Fortune Dallas Sucks and Crosby Sucks shirts. Um, the first shirt that we ever came out with that was really kind of a big hit was You Can't Spell Crosby Without Cry. And it had a little penguin with like tears running down his, uh, down his like oversized, you know, Pittsburgh color cheeks. Um, so that was fun. I think I think it was 2009 when they lost to the Penguins in like the second round. And uh, we had Marty Baran wearing one at Chickie and Teeth like after they lost. And that kind of created a whole storm on like Puck Daddy. And that actually really helped business. But um, yeah, it's funny to think about what the Internet was like 14 years ago. <laughs> was that like a bad look for Marty, but a good look for you guys? Yeah, he got yeah. totally lambasted. They were like, you just got embarrassed by the best player in hockey, like repeatedly. And now you're rocking a shirt mocking him. And it was like he couldn't have been any nicer. Like he was just yeah, I want to support, you know, you guys are great. We love the fans. And, you know, I had a couple beers. So, it, it um, yeah, it's, it's good for business, but not not great for Marty. But, you know, he's he's doing just fine, I'm sure. Sure, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so Philly Faithful kind of got started. And then the brewery actually was kind of a very haphazard thing. I'd gone to Cornell undergrad with my cousin, who was a senior when I was a freshman. And he lived with a bunch of guys, I think it was eight in total over like a really popular bar in college town. So like, if you can remember being 18, like how cool it was to have like 21 year old friends who could buy beer legally. And we used to go down there and just like hang out in their apartment. And, and one of those guys um, was actually at my cousin's bachelor party when he got married in Austin uh, in 2015. And it was myself, my uncle, and this guy were like the first three guys down to the like the area where we were hanging out. And so we were just like day drinking beers like Friday before noon. And this guy happened to start a brewery and he just told us how cool it was and how successful they were. And you know what happens when you have like four AM beers. Like everything sounds awesome. So I was I was pumped. I was like, this is this is gonna be great. So long story short, ended up going out to Cincinnati where this guy's brewery was, spent four days there, kind of fell in love with the culture of craft beer and Philly faithful was, was fun, but like, I mean, you guys know you're Philly sports fans. Like if you tie your financial well-being to Philly sports, um, not, not always a good look. So <laughs> you recommending we shut down the pod, Dan, <laughs> if you're going to try to, if you're going to try to support a family on the backs of your podcast, um, I might recommend considering it, or we can just blow this podcast up and you guys just retire. And, uh, then that would be cool too. So, <laughs> Hell yeah, man. No, no. appreciate the honesty. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, sports, like I've, I've had so many conversations now because like working at ESPN was like pretty much everybody's dream job, right? Like if you're a sports fan going up to Bristol, like I, I was like running prompter for Chris Berman and reading highlights, like giving highlight sheets to like Scott Van Pelt and Neil Everett. You're like, this is the coolest thing ever. But like you get paid 
$22,000 a year and you live in central Connecticut and you work nights and weekends and it's like 98% dudes and the 2% girls who are there, it's like the 98% dudes are fighting over the 2% of the girls who are there. So it's like, this is, this is just not, this is not my jam. So the work was fun, but I think like working in sports, I used to work for the Phillies as well prior to ESPN. So like when I've always talked to people about working in the industry, you have to be committed to the long haul. It's like, it's not glamorous. It is fun to be involved in the work. It's great. The people are almost across the board are really cool people. It's just, it's just a life decision you have to make. Um, and I was, I think kind of reached, reached the end of my rope uh, pretty quickly. So, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how things got started. Ran the brewery still um, in, involved in a lot of ways. I'm a board member and a co-founder, but now that I run the workhorse tour, um, I don't have any day-to-day -day responsibilities outside of that at workhorse, which is super cool. We've got an amazing team in King of Prussia that, you know, everything from our sales team where we distribute beer throughout uh, the Eastern half of Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Uh, we're growing that into some new states this year as well, which is pretty exciting. Um, so they run that, they run our tap room in King of Prussia. We're also reopening our tap room in center city. So they run all that stuff. But like I used to do those things, social media, you know, people stuff, um, don't do any payroll or any accounting stuff. So it's, it's nice to have a team of people to do all that is kind of what I'm, what I'm getting at here. No, you always need a good team, Dan. Um, but unfortunately a lot of guys, you know, you got to pull your own weight in a business as well. So I'm thinking when your tap room reopens in Philly, We'll get a Wentz watch party at Workhorse for the away game at Washington. Get everybody all juiced up and ready to go and uh, that, beat the commanders. That is going to be a spectacle, that first Wentz game. I mean, the Wentz game in Philly, I, I, like, I'm like. i not even going to get tickets. I'm just going to go down to that tailgate. I'm just going to spend like five hours there just soaking it all in because people are going to be <laughs> going to be full-throated for that football game. Any T-shirt ideas for that game? Because uh, if if you need some, I'm I'm ready to write any script you want. I'm an I've been an anti Wentz guy for, I guess what is it now? G. Probably four years. Four I mean, years, yeah, yeah. The minute he went out with the back injury and Foles led them back to the playoffs, I was out on Wentz. Can't stand the guy. Um, and now, obviously, news coming out that he he was, I guess, uh, a little hesitant to support the team during the Super Bowl run and got into a little bit of a kerfuffle with uh, apparently Darren Sproles so uh yeah interesting nonetheless we'd love to uh you know do something with you guys there for Wentz's uh you know first game or that Washington away game yeah no I love it I, I wish I'd known you maybe like six seven years ago when I was still doing t-shirts because uh I feel like you're I can feel the energy man I'm sure there's some good stuff coming out of that brain that would have made for uh highly entertaining t-shirt material so Dan, obviously the, the beer is important. You got this this golf tour going on. We'd love to hear more about that. But before we jump over to the golf, mm -hmm. what's the best swing grease you guys sell? So I see you got, <laughs> you, got a, you got a number of different IPAs. There's a stout on there. Give us something that equates to birdies. Oh man, yes. So I think the first question I have to ask anybody is like, a, what type of beer drinker are you? Like, are you a volume play? Are you more like, give me high ABV in short bursts? Are you hop guy? You're not a hop guy. I mean, my my personal preference. So actually, the beer that I'm drinking that's not labeled. This is uh this is our West Coast IPA. We do my, my favorite part of owning a brewery is after we package beer, they have what's called low fills, where basically like either the can has like dents that would make it like you know prohibitive to send to the market, or it didn't get filled all the way to the top on the packaging line. And when that beer is fresh, like if you drink the West Coast IPA the day it comes off the line, which I'm I'm doing right now, it's like liquid gold. So my personal favorite is the West Coast IPA. 
it's not my favorite golf beer because I'm a, I'm a volume guy. So I'd be drinking lower ABV, you know, the equivalent of a Miller High Life is kind of my, my jam uh, on the golf course. I'm not, not a huge craft guy outside of like our session IPA for the golf course. That beer is, is perfect to play golf with because still enough flavor, low ABV. But I mean, you really can't go wrong, man. Like uh, I think if you drink anything on the golf course, you're having a great day. No, you got to. I, I'd say I'm a volume guy. The session IPA, I, I got to get my hands on some of that because definitely a session guy, volume guy. Um, you know, can't I, I can't go too heavy. You know, they just knock you on your ass too fast because you you don't need too much grease out there. You just need something to to loosen you up a little bit, get you feeling good, yeah. uh, and, and then just kind of pray from there. <laughs> yeah, a lot of prayers on the golf course. I yeah. Think Yes. Yeah, so tell us about the tour, Dan. Obviously excited to hear about that. I guess a few weeks away now, right? Tell us, um, you know, what's going on and, you know, how you see this growing. Obviously, uh, we follow it on social. We have a number of listeners who are hack golfers and uh, want to learn more. So share, share a bit about that. We love to learn more. Yeah. Appreciate the opportunity to chat about it, guys. I mean, golf, I can tell just from our previous conversations and now from tonight, like you guys feel about golf the way I do, which is uh, once it gets under your skin, it's, it's an addicting game, right? Regardless of your skill level, it's just very hard. Like before the tour concept started, after I finished a round of golf, literally the first thing I was thinking of, I guess, after like, where am I getting a beer right now? is like, when am I playing golf again? Um, and I think that was kind of the biggest problem that we were setting out to solve is that you know amateur golfers like i have two kids under five i run a business like it's not conducive to playing a ton of golf um so i wanted to play more golf first and foremost and then wanted to play more competitive tournament style golf because i think the one of the challenges that you face is like an unaffiliated amateur or even if you belong to a club you know you're kind of playing against the same guys in the same format you do a member guest or a member member or maybe you get invited to a charity scramble and it's like you know those are all fun things but they're not they're not scalable you do them like once or twice uh you know maybe a couple times a year and that's it so what we were really hoping to do through the tour the first goal was how do we sell more beer to golf courses that was kind of the the brewery side of it was the pandemic hit we have a massive 70,000 square foot production facility in Taproom and King of Prussia that we couldn't bring people to. Um, so golf as a sport, as you know, pandemic was like great for golf. So many people picked up the game, more people were outdoors. It's, you know, socially distant and it's, you know, it's very conducive to, to that type of atmosphere. So we thought, all right, if people, we don't know when they're going to come back to the tap room, but we know that they're going to be drinking on the golf course. How do we get product to those golfers? So first, let's just make more beer, sell it to golf courses. Then it kind of pivoted. I have a, uh, a private equity group that has an investment share in the brewery. And I found out that they um, also own the company called Golf Genius that does real-time scoring and tournament leaderboards. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's ubiquitous in the industry. I think there's like 11,000 courses nationwide that use their software to run their leagues and tournaments. It's just a, it's a great company. And while conversing with their CEO, uh, I kind of just lamented the same thing. I just said, you guys are like, man, I wish I could play more golf. And he was like, well, have you thought about trying to solve that problem? It's something like we're constantly thinking about. And that kind of just kicked off like a series of, you know, random thoughts in my head. I was like, how, how can we solve that problem? And the result was what we've created with the tour, which is a, a unique format. So for those who are unfamiliar, our tournaments are week long events. And rather than playing at a specific day or time, you can literally tee it up anytime during the week of that event. So 
I don't care what your schedule is. If you can only play golf on Monday mornings, Thursday afternoons, or on the weekends, like a normal human being, great. Like that's fine. You can play literally whenever you want. And the way that it works from a competition standpoint is you just book your tee time through the course. So call on the phone, go on the website. It doesn't have to be through us. We, in fact, we don't handle any of the bookings ourselves. We'll just redirect you to the course, book your tee time with the course, pay whatever the state of greens fee is, and then go out and play 18 holes of golf. Um, it is real tournament golf in the sense that, you know, you can't take mulligans, you can't take guineas. We do have a breakfast ball on the first tee through a sponsor, which I think is a fun way to ease into it because golf is hard and we need it. Jitters. We all need it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So we, uh, we have that, but then outside of that, it's, it's, you know, pretty much tournament rules. We're doing, um, lift clean in place in the fairways, um, just because, you know, again, you can get a shitty line. We don't want anyone to, to have issues, but outside of that, like, you hit the ball out of bounds, like you gotta, you gotta take your penalty stroke. If you hit the ball in the water, you gotta play it from where it went into the water. You know, you gotta follow local rules and all that stuff is posted on our website, how it works specifically, but you play 18 holes of golf. And then when you're done, you post your score in the golf genius app through our website. And then you get to see your stats, your net and your gross score in real time leaderboard. So let's say Mike can play on Tuesday. Dennis plays on Saturday. I play on Thursday we're all going to see our names in that same tournament. And then we can kind of talk shit to each other accordingly. So it's like, Hey man, like that was a pretty awful eighth hole you had there. And uh, it, it allows for friends who might not be able to play in the same foursome to kind of have a little bit of friendly competition. And then we have like a FedEx cup style leaderboard. So the top 25 golfers in the net and gross divisions, as well as our separate women's division, which is new for this year, um, they all get points in a FedEx cup style leaderboard. Most of our tournaments have like a standard weight, it's about 200 points to the winner. Uh, but then we have majors, which are worth more. And then we have a, a race to the championship right before our tour championship that are worth even more to kind of incentivize people to get out. So that's kind of how it works at a high level. We've added a whole bunch of new things this year, first and second half leaderboards, new sponsors. Thank you, Shamrock Sun, new prizes. We've got a whole, whole lot of really exciting things. Um, and the best part about it is you don't have to be good at golf. Like you could have literally started yesterday if you shoot 115, we have a handicap. Your membership includes a gin number from the USGA, which provides all levels competition. And go out and you play, and whatever you shoot, you're going to get adjusted, and, and it gives you a chance to feel like you're um, you know, you're able to learn the game, you're able to play a lot, and uh, and enjoy competition. That's awesome. I mean, that, that's that's really what it's all about. I mean, you talk about being able, being able to feel like you're competing, and like a guy like you, very busy, working a lot, kids, and everything. You know, you could still shit talk your buddies. I mean, I, I'm looking at this guy uh, on the other end every other week, and, and he's chirping me and asking for a Venmo and all this. So uh, you're, you're, you're kind of simulating that for, for the folks that, you know, are a little bit busier. So that's no, that's really cool. I do want to address an objection here because I know what our listeners are thinking here, Dan. And I just want to shut this down real quick. Mm -hmm. They're going to say, well, you know, Dan, you played on a day when the conditions were pure and I played when it was windy and rainy. And the answer I have to those stiffs that are listening right now is, did you watch the players this weekend? Did you watch that? Because that was life ain't fair, fellas. Get out there and play when the weather's looking good. I don't know what else to tell you. Well, and I got to tell you one thing on top of that. So one of the biggest things that happened for us this year is we signed a partnership agreement with the Golf Association of Philadelphia, which is you know, the single biggest entity in golf in this area. We already have an existing partnership with the Philly PGA, which is a huge deal, um, a little bit different in terms of how it affects the, the gameplay and, and all the benefits. But what GAP does for us is it gives us access to automated handicap management tools, um, one of which is course condition modification. So when you play, so let's say Mike plays on Tuesday and it's 
75 and sunny and Dennis, you go out on Friday and it's like 48 and windy, your scores, you're going to post them in gin. As long as you post them that day, the day that you played, if the weather was sufficiently bad to accommodate what the USGA determines as a course condition, it will apply that to your score. So it will take into account the fact that you played on a challenging day and give you benefit of the doubt in terms of how many strokes you're getting as a result. So all of those things, I mean, yes, it is certainly going to be easier as an amateur to play in nice weather, but we do have tools in place to address that and to make sure that there is a level set, even if you're playing at a different day in the same tournament. All right, that's beautiful. I mean, now we're going to get the inverse where some of these stiffs are heading out with a shovel and six feet. Of sand. <laughs> I love it, Dan. You guys have thought of everything. You drink enough beer, things come to you. So uh, that's kind of what it comes down to. I, I was going to ask uh, Dan about about the the partnership with Gap because I thought I'd read about that recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess you're you're kind of alluding to that PCC factor that that we see in in our our Gap uh, app or, or Gin app. Um, so that's good stuff. Um, could you tell us a little bit about, I guess, like the courses? Are, are you strictly Pennsylvania? Um, you know, what, what what are your favorite courses on the Workhorse Tour? So this year, super excited. Uh, we have 41 week-long events uh, over a seven-month season at, uh, I think it's 30, 38, 38 unique courses in southeastern Pennsylvania and Delaware. So with very few exceptions, we're playing all of the top uh, public courses in really the six or seven counties in southeastern Pennsylvania and then three in Delaware. I mean, there's there's really not a bad one among them. I mean, the funny thing about golf and like I've been fortunate enough both through the tour and some connections and my dad's been a, a private club member for a little bit that I've been able to play some higher end golf courses. But the reality is like golf is fun wherever you play. And I think especially if you are aspiring golfer, you're new to the game that it's not always wise to throw yourself uh, on a quite difficult track. Golf is, is humbling even when you're a good golfer. I, I say that not from knowledge, but it's what I've been told by good golfers. Um, it's, it's just that we're so lucky. We have so many great public courses in this area and the tour is featuring so many of them. And, and it's been really cool too. Like the first year last year, like I literally would walk into golf course and be like, Hey, I, I co-founded a brewery and I'm running this golf tour. Do you want to get involved? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Now that we have a year under our belt, we have the gap partnership, we have the PGA. Um, it's been a lot easier to, to get doors opened and, and courses have been super receptive and great to work with. So I think you're going to see um, a lot of great tracks. I mean, just thinking about the first handful of courses we're playing at this year, uh, Letter Act Golf Course uh, in Harleysville, Bella Vista in Gilbertsville, which is actually also hosting our tour championship this year. Uh, we play Raven's Claw, we play Glen Mills, we play Broad Run, we play Wincote, Innisgrown, uh, Jeffersonville, uh, Hickory Valley, Honeybrook. I mean, there's just so many great tracks in this area. It's, it's hard to hard to choose, uh, but they're all, all I'm, I'm very excited is the gist of what I'm getting at here. Yeah, that's that's a hell of a list. And uh, of course, you had to mention Wincote. Uh, you know, my co-host here could could tell you about a a legendary, awful round that that, you know, he's familiar with and some of our listeners are familiar with uh i, I think Is it was on right? yeah i think it was on mother's day a few years back and and you know dan it was some son you are it, it, it was questionable yeah. for me to, to even go home that day that's how bad it was no <laughs> just, are, am i going to hear the details now? i feel like you can't you can't share that much and i don't get the rest of it i mean it, it was it was triple digits and it wasn't close to, to double digits it was uh <laughs> you know i counted them out it, it was 130 ish that's a rough go. That is a little bit of a rough go. <laughs> Terrible. That course is, is 
admittedly a very challenging golf course, um, but also an awesome golf course. Very so, nice. Yeah. Have, have you had a chance to, to get redemption since that, uh, that dreadful day? I don't think I'll ever go back, man. Dan, I mean, this guy dodges, like I set up, we set up tea times to go out there and play knowing we're going to take his cash. And suddenly he's hanging out with his significant other that weekend. It's unbelievable. Oh, that is questionable behavior. Don't let him fool you. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> I'm not going to, it's not going to turn into a bickering fest. We're here for you, Dan, but I take <laughs> well, plenty of this guy's cash. You, you guys, you guys can round out my foursome for the Wincoat event, which is actually a really fun, like, so I think Dennis, when we were talking originally, like one of the things we really wanted to do with sponsors for the tour, like the, the reality here, just from like how the sausage is made, like I'm not making money on selling thousands of dollars of sponsorships, right? Like we have thousands of dollars of sponsorships, but that's not what grows the tour. We grow the tour through beer sales, memberships, whatever. So as a small business owner myself for you now 15 years, we wanted to like, offer packages that were affordable for small businesses, but also let them get their products in front of the most likely consumers. Because at the end of the day, if the businesses are happy and the golfers are getting great things and great value and perks, like everybody wins. So one of the fun sponsors that we have um, that's actually hosting the Wincoat event is uh, Wissahickon Jerky Company. So we're literally running a tournament where there is a prize pack of like assorted beef jerkies. There's going to be a beer and beef jerky tasting. All of our members, when you join, we're sending out a tour member kit that'll come out the week before the season starts. And everyone's getting like a one ounce sample pack of beef jerky uh, to, to do it. It's like, I mean, who would have ever thought, like you talked to me 20 years ago, like I'm running a golf tour where we're like giving away beef jerky and, and drinking beer. Like this is, this is my job. Like this is literally my livelihood, which makes no sense. Sounds like the dream, man. <laughs> yeah. It's not the, not the worst thing in the world, guys. No, that's good living. Um, I don't know. Uh, Bob, you have, you have anything else for Dan tonight? Yeah, I guess, uh, tell us, tell us, tell the listeners what they need to do. I'm sure, uh, you know, spots are filling up quick. I don't know if there's, uh, if you're fully sold out or if there's a waiting list started yet, but uh, tell everyone what they need to do here if they want to get involved and join the tour. Yeah, I appreciate that. So the good news is there is no sellout for a normal membership. So essentially we could sell a thousand individual memberships um, because since we you know, run a flexible schedule, it's highly unlikely that we're going to get 200 golfers playing every single day and book up someone's tee sheet. Um, I mean, we've had big events, but it's not an issue. We do have limited premium memberships left. So like our standard membership, for anyone listening who's interested in joining, it's $50. That gets you a $25 gift card to the brewery, and it gets you your gin number through the USGA. And that is typically a $45 to $50 cost in and of itself. Um, and if you already have one, we take over. I mean, you still have the host club that you purchased it from, but then we'll take it and extend it through the end of March 23. So you basically get a full year extension on that. On top of that, you get all of the member perks for joining the tour. One that I'm super excited about um, that isn't even public yet. It's going public on Wednesday, but I'll tell you guys because why not? Uh, we signed a deal with Bettinardi, um, the you know high-end putters that you see a lot of PGA Tour golfers playing with. Every tour member is going to get a unique discount on Bettinardi products. And then the winners of our net gross and women's divisions, first, second half, and full season, as well as our tour championship, are going to get custom hand-milled Bettinardi putters. Uh, these are all things that are, you know, those are five $600 putters, right? They're, they're top of the line. Um, you're going to be able to get access to that type of stuff through the tour. And that's just all included in a $50 membership. Plus we have every tournament you get access to prizes, gift cards to the brewery, packs from sponsors. We have gift cards from Golf Galaxy at every event. I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff. So that's, that's 50 bucks. And then you could play once or 40 times. There's no other cost involved. Just pay the green fee whenever you want to play. You're good to go. 
that's unlimited. You can get that at workhorsetour.com uh, throughout the course of the season. And if you have a schedule where you're like, hey, I'm busy through June, we have a second half leaderboard. So you could start playing in, I think it's July 4th is the week of our final first half event. You just want to play in July, August, you know, September, you can still win second half leaderboard, including some of those prizes. The premium membership, which is the one I'm super excited about, and that one is limited. We have, I think, 30 spots out of 100 left. It's 150 bucks. Gets everything that I just mentioned in the standard, but you also get access to a complimentary one-day event, either a Philly section, Philly PGA section pro-am, where you're playing with a Philadelphia PGA pro at a top private course with food included, or you're getting a comp spot at a GAP member play day, which would be a foursome with other workhorse tour members, uh, stable for scoring, competitive event. Again, free access included in your membership, cart fee, green fees, and food, and access to prizes. So, I mean, courses like Huntington Valley, Bully Rock, Moselem Springs, uh, White Manor, Carlisle Country Club, I mean, all top places. And so you're talking about access at, at really $100 that you, you wouldn't be able to get on at all. So um, that's definitely, if you're interested in playing private course golf and you want to get one of those, those will be sold out before the season starts. Um, so I think that's best way to recommend it, workhorsetour.com. And uh, yeah, hit me up with any questions. Nah, thanks, Dan. We appreciate it. Um, I, I got to give you one more. I, I kind of want to start this with our guests. And, and given that you are a Philly fan, I, I don't need you to to dive into it completely. Uh, but but we're kind of we're kind of glass glass half empty, guys. Um, <laughs> you know, often often refer to great, our. It's great for a brewing company, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, but now often you know refer to the city and the sports teams. You know, city of losers. We struggle a little bit. Um, so let me ask you, next team to win a championship out of the four major sports teams in Philadelphia, who do you got? Wow. I mean, I feel like you're probably right now, certainly before last week's Brooklyn game, I mean, everyone's going to be Sixers, Sixers. Like, I was hard to jump off that bandwagon. I think it's going to be hard for them to beat the top teams in the NBA in a, in a seven game series. That's no disrespect to them. I think they're going to be right there to the end, but I, I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen right now. Uh, so I would not say the Sixers, uh, despite my flyers allegiance. And I, I love me some flyers uh, that that ain't going to happen anytime soon. I think the Phillies have shown a lack of interest in spending on the right pieces across the board. I mean, can't, can't hate on Bryce Harper, but like JT Romuto after that, like, man, not, not looking great. Zach Wheeler's arm's going to fall off at some point. So I, I'm not, not thinking that. So I think by default, that leaves me with the most recent champion of the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's where I'm going to put my money. I think they're I'm not, not trusting Howie to make the best draft picks this year, but he's got three shots at it. He's going to get one of them. They're going to sign a son Reddick today. I'd love to see that bringing a local boy home. So I, I think the Eagles in a crappy division, not a lot of great teams in the NFC. I mean, Brady coming back hurts a little bit, but I think the Eagles have, have a little bit more upside over the next couple of years. And, uh, you know, let's, let's see that happen. So that's where my vote is. Man, I'm surprised you couldn't fly up the ranks on ESPN. That was a hell of a breakdown. <laughs> I was a production assistant, brother. I got to listen to all the guys talk about Put it. Put so. Boomer out the pasture and bring in Dane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see what happens about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, Dan, thanks again. Thanks, thanks for your time. Uh, Workhorse Brewing Company, the Workhorse Tour. Uh, you heard the man, Dan Hirschberg. Thank you for joining Thoughts from the Shade. I appreciate you guys having me. It's always a pleasure, and uh, look forward to sharing some beers with you at the brewery soon. 
Thanks again to Dan Hirschberg for joining the show. Um, hope everybody enjoyed. And I, I think that that leads us kind of in the direction of golf a little bit. And uh, despite the uh, the crazy schedule, the crazy weather, the delays, etc., cetera, um, we did have a champion declared on Monday evening. The Aussie Cam Smith uh, got the job done. On Monday evening uh, in Florida to to win the Players Championship, um, but cr- crazy weekend. Uh, Bob, I guess what were your takeaways? Any thoughts, comments, concerns? Yeah, it was just beautiful to watch these guys struggle in the wind. Um, and we we mentioned a little bit with uh, we talked a little bit about it with the interview with Dan, but guys dumping balls in the water. I mean that that 17th hole was what playing 136 on the real windy day, 136 yards. Guys were hitting six and seven irons into the green. Guys that were hitting sevens weren't weren't hitting the green. Like they were, were, if they hit a cut or uh, or I guess yeah, I guess a cut or or a slice, it was it was just dying in the wind. I mean, and and it just makes you feel better as like the weekend hack golfer because we're not out there playing in primo weather all the time, right? It's March now. Like oh, we might get a, a nice day here and there, but it could be super windy. And it's just uh, it's nice to see those guys get humbled a bit. Obviously, it's great to watch them throw darts. And I think some uh, I should say Monday we saw that. Um, and and uh, and Cam really got hot with with the flat stick. That was really cool to see. But in my mind, the takeaway was, look, these guys are human, too. Let's not beat ourselves up when we're out there on the golf course playing in, in suboptimal conditions. I agree. Now, I think I think that's got to be one of the biggest takeaways uh, from the weekend. Uh Unfortunately for me, and, and I was bitching about this, you kind of shut that down. Um, but I had money on Brooks Kepka. He was my he was my guy this week, and he started off kind of well. He went off late in the first round, uh, made a couple birdies. It was a few shots under, and then I don't think he played again until like he might have played two holes on Friday, and he finished his first round Saturday uh, in those wins. And he was he was minus three through fifteen, and then on Saturday finished three over. Uh, they finished his first round at even. Second round he shot nine over in the wind. Uh, it was disgusting, terrible pick. But um, you know, next time off to account for for the weather and the tee times uh, when when handicapping. So just a little tidbit for everybody there. But no, it was uh, really interesting to watch. I think Thursday when the weather was decent before the rain started, there was four, four water balls on 17. I think, uh, on Saturday there was like over 40. Uh, so pretty insane. We saw a good Matthew Wolf light club toss, um, into the water. That, that was funny. You saw, I saw Justin Rose, he was slamming his club. So, uh, like you said, I mean, just, Somewhat encouraging to see that, that these guys are human too, but, um, you know, playing, playing in those elements is tough. I mean, you think about trying to keep your head still where you're laying your hands to rest at a dress and whatnot. I mean, when that wind is ripping 30, 40 miles an hour, uh, it's tough, but, um, some really impressive stuff. I mean, the, the round Justin Thomas had on Saturday, I think he shot three under and, and played, I don't know, 20, 21 holes, uh, in that crazy win. I mean, that was so impressive. And then, Obviously, their performance from Cam Smith on Monday coming out firing off, I think, four or five birdies to start the round and hit a little turbulence, but never really never really in doubt. I mean, and when I look at that guy, I don't know how you feel, Bomb, 
when I look at Cam Smith, like I think he had that crazy 34 under win in Hawaii to start the calendar year. When I look at him with kind of the mullet and like his vibe, he, he's like the Morgan Wallen of golf for me. Like, do, do you not do you not look at Cam Smith and think of Morgan Wallen? I, I don't. Um, I think he's an Aussie. Um, yeah, he is. No, I, I I haven't. I mean, yeah, I guess they both have mullets. I I think more like he looks like he just looks like a regular guy. You know, you'd see at the club just like gas and beers. Yeah, well, he talked about that. Like, I think he had some family come in that he hadn't seen in the entire, you know, length of the pandemic. And I think he said to, to Catherine Tappen, like, in the the interview after the win, he was just like, yeah, you know, this was kind of a, a family week for me and just trying to spend time with my family, my loved ones, blah, blah, blah. And uh, golf was kind of second. Like, I just get my workout in, my practice in, and then I – spend time with my family or my friends and, uh, you know, I do my preparation and then whatever happens when I get out here and play, it, it is what it is. So, um, he's, he's definitely got that like down to earth ch- chill vibe and probably helps him on the golf course, man. You get, you get to thinking too much. You're totally fucked out there. Yeah. And I think his easy going nature really helped him in, you know, varying conditions. We saw a lot of guys like, I was a little bit surprised, I don't know about you, G, by how many guys were throwing clubs, smashing clubs, shaking their head. You know, one guy in particular that that I thought came up small and was a bit of a mental midget, Paul Casey. Um, so he hits that drive out in the fairway. I guess, it, what, what was that? Was that 16, G? The one that plugged? Yep. Yeah, 16. He's running over to get a ruling, this, that, and the other. And yeah, I know you got, you know, you got some trouble uh if you can't hit the ball but you know you're down a couple strokes and you're laying up there i mean i've hit out of worse than that i mean granted you don't want that because you hit it in the fairway but you know he punt he punches it up there lays up but you could tell like he starts shaking his head shaking his head and then he's looking for relief from a sprinkler cover up near the green because he didn't hit the green and he like walks away from his ball and just keeps shaking his head and um, I, I just think any t- if you're if you're playing competitive golf, not that we play, it, but you ever see Tiger Woods do that when he's trying to chase somebody down? No way. He he he's staring down the barrel of the gun, locked and loaded. Um, and, and we saw what happened on 17, right? Uh, Smith throws a dart, and and that that pretty much ends it. Even though he went into the water on 18. But I think a lot of that had to do with like his his shot on 17, Cam Smith. Like for him to hit that shot, and I know he wasn't aiming there. Um, a lot of that confidence comes from the fact that the guy who's trying to chase him down is shaking his head, shaking his head, and and just uh, that that really you know you hear about how oh how great of a player this Paul Casey is. I think he's a fraud. Um, can't stand watching him play, and this is a, the latest example. Um, I don't know. I'm just not a Paul Casey guy. It's kind of how I feel when I when I see you make a couple of egregious shots out there, and I get up a hole or two, and you're talking to yourself. It's uh, that that's that's when I go in for the kill. <laughs> but now you, you you get you get no no plugs, no issues with that on the workhorse tour, man. Lift clean in place, as Dan had mentioned. That's right. Um, anything else to add on the golf or, or at all here, Bob? 
Nah, not at all, G. I got uh I got I got one tale, uh one one story. Um another hero this week, uh in addition uh to our boy who resigned his season tickets uh with, with the seventy sixers, but I don't know how this shit happens to me, Bomb. So, um, but hero of the week might might be a new segment from time to time. But but this this guy is certainly a hero. So, I'm at the gym. Uh, it feels like a lot of these stories happen at the gym. I guess you know public places. You get all sorts of people. But so I'm I'm at the gym, right? And I I go into the the men's locker room to to use the facilities. You know, just take a leak. Uh, I think it was on my way out. So I'm at the urinal taking care of what I got to take care of. And I, I hear somebody on speakerphone. I hear, the, you know, the voice through the phone. I hear somebody talking into the phone. And lo and behold, there's there, there's a fella in the in the stall uh, sitting on the can. He's, he's having a phone conversation. And... Uh, I hear him. I hear him asking the person on the phone, "Oh, is it a sinus infection?" Uh, and then he's a, he's asking about you know medicine. Oh, well, did you take the Z pack? Um, I, I I can send you another one. I I can call in the script and get you another one. Um, you know, did did the last one work? Um, how are you feeling now? What what are your symptoms? Um, you know, and if that doesn't work, uh. We, we can see uh, we can see on Monday. So, you know, there's a fella in Planet Fitness sitting on the can, uh, assisting a sick patient, um, you know, assessing the symptoms, uh, the sickness, uh, prescribing medicine, and, you know, just giving great service, uh, all from the leisure of the pot uh, at Planet Fitness. Uh, so I, I was just completely dumbfounded. I had to take out one of my headphones just to make sure I was hearing what was really going on and that my, my ears were, were ringing true. Um, but, but just totally unbelievable. I could, I couldn't help but laugh when I was like washing my hands and getting out of there. Um, so that, that's our hero of the week. Uh, the doc on the can at planet fitness, uh, cheers to you, man. You know, it's disappointing to hear, you know, typically these uh, acute sinus infections, uh, you know, they call it, a, you know, I'm assuming it was bacterial sinusitis because of the fact that the guy's calling an antibiotic. A lot of this stuff resolves on its own. You know, that guy, that physician is in there just dropping a deuce, contributing to a lot of the issues that we have with uh, bugs becoming resistant to drugs. And as the resident, you know, pharmacy guy, if this guy was calling in a prescription to my pharmacy and he's on the can, I mean, come on, pal. I mean, how am I supposed to know the right dosage that you're saying over a flush? That ain't right. If I recall correctly, I think he he was he was asking about dosage or there was a mention of milligrams or something. Um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't fully uh, take notes on, on what transpired. I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here, but I just I, th- I thought that was a funny one and. You know, some people, uh, it's all, all work and no play, you know? Hey, man, you should have gotten his, his card, of course, after he washed his hands. But, I mean, any doc that's calling in prescriptions for you while he's dropping a deuce, that's a guy you want on your team. Absolutely. Dropping a deuce at the gym. So he's 
staying healthy and working nonstop. Um, nah, I, I, I thought that was a funny one. Uh, you don't come across that every day. Let me ask you something. I mean, I'm not here. We're not going to review any identities here. We're not bound by HIPAA because we're not involved in the patient relationship here, but I'm throwing out a, a theory. For those of you who remember G's last gym story, there was a guy who was blowing his nose all day long at the gym and just real snotty, clearly sick the whole time. G told us the whole story. Is it possible that he was calling in the prescription for this gentleman? Let's fucking hope so. Holy hell. I mean, hopefully that guy's not still sick. That was like a month or six weeks ago. Uh, but that 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 was a complete violation. I mean, you, you say nose blow. It, it was like nose blow and then pull the tissue away from your nose and things are running wild in the middle of the like fucking a gym. Like a mozzarella stick pull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in the middle of the gym in, uh, in January. It was... That was a bad one. But yeah, ho- hopefully... Uh, Doc Can was uh, was phoning something in for that fellow as well. Doc <laughs> All right, I'm I'm gonna shut it down. Um, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks again to Dan. Uh, shout out to Workhorse Brewing Company, Workhorse Tour, uh, and Shamrock Sun. Shamrock Sun all over the place these days. Um, one of our sponsors as well as Menard Premium Detailing. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Wherever you're listening, five stars. Uh, on that platform. We totally appreciate it. Um, Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy your weekend. And we will touch back next week after the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Complete honesty here. Haven't even looked at the bracket yet. Bomb and I will share our Final Four National Championship picks on Instagram by Thursday, by the first game. And we'll be back next week to recap the first weekend of March Madness. Enjoy, everybody. Peace.